Good job, Pat. <laughs> he, was, he did that so well and so uh, silently. It's good. Um, appreciate it. Like I said, this is going to be something, a, a work in progress. Uh, so forgive me, too, if I, it's new for me, too. Um, again, good morning to everybody, and uh, if you're a, a guest with us, I want to point out the uh, colored insert you have in your service folder, uh, as that will be a blessing to you, and uh, also uh, look forward to sharing God's Word with those that are, are watching and listening online as well. Um, we are wrapping up a series called Crazy Busy today, and I have to say that it has been really, um, I guess, amazing how often in conversations with people over the last few weeks that I've noticed people saying, I'm busy or I'm crazy busy. And in fact, it's almost as if they pause and it, it might be because I'm the pastor guy, you know, and that they just kind of acknowledge, yeah, I'm, I'm crazy busy. And, and I just want to say that awareness to problems or challenges is always a good thing. And that if awareness is one of the main things that happens in this series, that's a good start. Awareness is not change, but often or very, um, not very often does change happen without first having an awareness. So that's great. Now, to refresh your memory, especially if you weren't here um, for the entire series, we went along to define the difference between busy and crazy busy. So... There are seasons of life where you're just busy, and without even trying, your calendar's full. You've got kids, you've got grandkids, you've got to travel to see kids or grandkids, or maybe it's because you just started a new job or a new school or something, and then it's just busy. But that's not something you have to feel guilty about. But what we do need to analyze is if we've gone from busy to crazy busy, and, and my definition of crazy busy was that it's, it's a pace of life that becomes unhealthy. And whether that be because of indicators like your mood or your relationships not having, the important relationships not having the time that they should, or even priorities, there's a lot of little indicators as to whether you've moved from busy to what's a, what we call unhealthy, crazy busy. And over the last three weeks, we've had a, a few indicators or I should say scriptural encouragements of things that we can do to help combat that. And as in way of review, I just want to point those out. So in week one, we were considering the difference between fear and trust. And so um, a lot of times what happens is that we fill our calendars full because we fear that if we don't do all this stuff, either at work or with our kids, that an undesirable outcome will happen later. If our kids aren't exposed to everything under the sun, they might be stunted in their growth. If I don't do everything under the sun at work, well, I might not be able to climb the ladder as well as I might otherwise. Now, what you need to understand is you might do all those things in the present, and as you know, it gives no, um, I guess, reality of 100% confidence that what you want to happen in the future is going to happen. We can't control the future. So instead of basing your schedule on fear, replace it with trust. I'm going to do what's right in my schedule in my life today, and I'm going to trust God to take care of it. In week two, um, we acknowledge that um, a lot of times when it comes to schedules, it's not like choosing between good and bad or good things and sinful things. If it was always that, it would be easy, right? But it's usually lots of good things, and now which ones do I choose? 
And what we talked about in week two is that you should prioritize your life around the things that last longer than your life. So I had the example of some styrofoam balls, and I put them in a jar, and you need to put those in first, and then the beads all the other things kind of work their way around the priorities. And then last week, Pastor Matt did a great job of reminding us about the importance of the human relationships that we have in our lives. And he gave us this little statement to chew on, that we shouldn't trade what's unique to us for something that somebody else can do. And so he brought out the fact that there are very few roles that are unique to you. In fact, likely, it might only be husband and father or mother and wife. Our kids, my kids, are only going to have one biological father. I'm it, right? And so why would I trade that time for things that other people could do? There's going to be another pastor here someday. There's going to be another person that um, has your job and sits in your office someday. Don't trade what's unique to you for something somebody else will do. All right. Well, for today, we've got one more encouragement for you. It has to do about rest. And as we get into the content for today, I want to share with you something that happened at, um, at our home in the last week. Um, after 16 years of marriage and 15 years of having kids, we finally gave in and we got a pet that wasn't a goldfish. Now, you're going to probably roll your eyes because it's not a very, like, difficult pet either, but it is a step up from goldfish. Uh, more specifically, my oldest daughter, Chloe, bought a hamster, all right? And uh, so a couple weeks ago, um, we brought the hamster home, and we, um, she bought a cage that has like a plastic bottom to it, and then it's the type that has like metal barred sides and top. Um, and, and so what happened was that... Um, um, well, uh, should I say, it's kind of like a little hamster prison. Um, you, you gave away my, uh, my thing already. That's, uh, uh, it's okay. That's all right. I, I will come back to this in just a moment. But um, it's, it was amazing. We, we got the, the hamster out of the box, and we put him in the cage. And it was as if Petco had given him a six-pack of Red Bull or something. I'm serious. I mean, this hamster just started running all over the place, sniffing everything. He was trying, in fact, to stick his head through the bars of the cage, which there was no way that that was going to happen. But he just was trying to put his head through there. And then he started climbing up the side of the walls of the cage, which I didn't know hamsters would do. Uh, Maybe you did. I didn't know that. And then... And then he started grabbing onto the top of the cage. And like a kid on, on monkey bars, tried sort of pulling and climbing his way across. Don't believe me? Look at this picture that you'll see right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, it's like hamster American, you know, ninja warrior or something like that. And, and we've got to have just the, the best, hamster ninja warrior that there is in, in, in the country. He's training for Vegas or something. I don't know. Um, but it was amazing. As he went about halfway across, we could see his little hamster paws begin to let go of, the, of grip. And, and Chloe, being the motherly type that she was, started to like, <gasps> and thinking that maybe she was going to be the worst hamster owner ever as the hamster was going to die after a half hour of having it. And sure enough, it let go. It hit the side of this little ledge here. 
and went all the way down to the bottom of the cage, and I was ready to do hamster CPR. <laughs> but as soon as that hamster hit the bottom, it hopped back up and did the exact same thing again for a half hour. It would climb up the side, try to you know, crawl across with two arms. I didn't know hamsters did that. Fall down and do the exact same thing over and over and over again. And literally, one of the things we were doing, especially Chloe, was like, stop it. Stop. Don't do that again. You know, because every time it fell and hit the side and fell to the ground, it was like part of her heart was being ripped out as her new hamster was falling. And if we could have said anything to that hamster, what we would have said is rest. Chill out. All right? Now, my question for us to consider today, at least one of them, is this. If you were to be able to sort of have an out-of-body experience and to look down in the life of of your cage, your home, okay? Would you ever feel like saying to you what we felt like saying to the hamster? Like, I mean, just think about it. We do the same thing over and over again. We push the limits, many of us, every single day of our time and all our schedules. Then we go to bed. And then as soon as the alarm goes up, we pop up and we kind of do it over again. We didn't learn our lesson on the very stressful day or week previously, right? Then we do it over and over and over again. And I wonder if we could objectively talk to ourselves. Might we, in busy seasons of life, say, chill out. Stop. Get some rest. Get some rest. Now, whether you feel like saying that to yourself or not, The truth is that God does. That, of course, the medical community knows how important it is to get some physical rest. Did you know that we're supposed to get eight hours of sleep a day? Did you know the average American gets 6.8 hours of sleep? And that over a year, supposedly, you know, that's about 365 hours, about 15 days of sleep you lose over a day, over a year, we're not getting enough sleep. And it's hurting us physically many times, right? But long before the medical community knew that, the God who created you knew the importance of rest. And so our first fill in the blank you'll see here on the screen is this, that a healthy life will include a time for rest. A healthy life includes a time for rest. But why is that so hard? And what does that rest look like? And what is it going to do for us? Those are the questions that we really want to unpack today as we acknowledge God's encouragement for us for the need of rest. And to unpack it, what we're going to do is we're going to look at a section of Scripture that's a pretty familiar one. It's uh, from Luke chapter 10. It's an event in the life of Jesus. Um, One that many of you maybe have read before, but I want to bring even a little more life to it than maybe um, you've heard in the past. And so one of the things you need to know is that Jesus, in his preaching and teaching, he didn't have a church that he preached at and people came to, to listen and to worship on Sunday mornings. He traveled. Um, And so he would travel to different towns, and he would teach in the synagogue in a town, or he'd teach in the town square, and sometimes he went to people's homes. So that's what was happening in our text for today. Jesus and his 12 closest friends, we call them 12 disciples, they um, were traveling to a town near Jerusalem called Bethany. And while he was there, um, Mary and Martha, two Christians, two God followers, 
invited him to come over to preach, to teach, and to have a meal. And that's where we pick it up from Luke um, chapter 10, beginning with verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he, Jesus, came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Martha had a sister. Her name was Mary. And Mary, while Jesus was there, was sitting at the Lord's feet listening to what he said, verse 40. But Martha, on the other hand, was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Now, a lot of times I've read through this, heard sermons on it, and right away we kind of like think, Martha, 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 what are you doing? But I think that type of quick reaction to Martha doesn't really give the context of what was going on. So let me do that for you. Have you ever had to host a party for 13 people, at least, maybe more? Have you ever had to host a party that you wanted it to come off perfectly? Like it was your, your year for Thanksgiving, and your sister had it last year, and your sister's a perfectionist, and everything was perfect, and now it's your turn, and you're going to be compared to her, and the family's going to compare you to her, and so you've got all this pressure to have things just right. Now, that was, in that scenario, your sister. Imagine if you were hosting a party for, let's say, God, <laughs> the Son of God, Jesus. You imagine the, the pressure that Mary and Martha must have been in to try to make this perfect? Let me tell you, Martha was not going to just put some SpaghettiOs in the microwave or get some Oscar Mayer wieners and throw them on the grill. I mean, this was not, that was not the type of meal or situation that she wanted for Jesus. She loved Jesus, and so did Mary. You can just imagine that she's got, Martha does the perfect plan in mind. Here's what the menu's going to be. Here's how the tables are going to be decorated. Here's how the house is going to look. And as I read through the text, I almost imagine Martha kind of standing up near the kitchen and she's barking out orders to people. She's kind of like, you know, the Martha Stewart of the, the home, right, telling people what to do. And it, people need to get the, the place settings all set. And do we have enough water? A couple guys, you're going to have to go down and, and grab some water at the well. Maybe she had some help from, from other relatives. And, you know, if there was a guest room, did anyone change the sheets yet? We need to get the guest room all ready. And then at a certain point, it had to have happened something like this. She looks around, and she's like, where's Mary? I mean, I'm not the only one who lives in this house. Sounds like something my wife would say. Where's Mary? Mary! And at a certain point, and these, these homes were not real big, maybe it was immediately, Martha saw where Mary was, and she was not working. She was resting at the feet of Jesus, doing nothing. At least that's what Martha probably thought. Doing nothing. And so Martha's, um, at that point, probably trying to get Mary's attention. I mean, I, I can 
I can understand Martha's frustration. Um, if, if you're the oldest sibling in a family, you probably can relate to what I'm going to say, is that it seems like the oldest sibling tends to often do more of the chores than the younger siblings, not because mom and dad gives them more responsibility, because the younger ones just don't do it. At least that was the case with my brother. <laughs> And so I'd be getting chores, and I'd try to get them done, and I'd look for my brother as half of them are done already, and he's playing video games or with his Ninja Turtles, or I don't know what he was doing, but he wasn't helping, and I was upset because I've been slaving and doing all this stuff, and here you are playing with Leonardo and Michelangelo and the rest of the Ninja Turtles. Come on. And I'm sure Martha was trying to get Mary to come. Maybe, maybe she gave her the old, you know, clearing of the throat because, you know, they had guests. So something like, <clears throat> <clears throat> or maybe it was the EG, that the evil glare that some, some of you are really good at, which was, you know, whatever it was, none of it worked. And so things got even more awkward. In the midst of this stressful situation, where Martha was running around like a hamster amped up on Red Bull, (laughs) things got more awkward. Look at verse 40. She came to him, Martha did, and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Now there's a lot going on here that maybe you've never thought about. So let me ask, have you ever been to someone's house where the host family was fighting with each other? (laughs) that's like the worst. Like you're going and you're the guest is like, oh, okay. Um, Hopefully they can figure this out because right now I'm feeling really uncomfortable as they're fighting while I'm here, okay? It's kind of what was happening. And again, Martha, so just as it said in the previous verse, distracted by things that she needed to get done. Guess what she does? She gets mad at Mary? No. She gets mad at the guest. Who, who is the guest? God, the Son of God, Jesus. And she gets frustrated with him like, Lord, Jesus, don't you care what's going on here? I mean, you see what's going on. What's the problem, Jesus? She blows up. And then she's got a command for Jesus. She yells at him. You know why there's an exclamation point there? Because in the Greek, the word tell her is an imperative form, which essentially means a command. Martha commands Jesus to tell her sister to help her. Why is this going on? You know why? Well, Jesus points it out. Let's go back a verse. Here's what we read before. Because Martha was distracted by preparations. Martha was a Christian. She loved Jesus. As far as what we know about her from the Bible, she's in heaven. She's a good good woman, a Christian woman. And I'm guessing with that background that when she heard that Jesus and the disciples were coming over, she had the best of intentions. She wanted to make it great for him because she loved him. But at some point along the way, what happened was this genuine desire to love her Lord turned into Martha being distracted by things that weren't so important. If I could say it another way, here's what I would say, is that Martha began to find her happiness and her fulfillment 
not in making a nice meal for Jesus, but instead how that would reflect on her, whether good or bad. And she put so much pressure on herself because it became all about her. And so one of the things that I want you to, to ask yourself as we, uh, in this last week of the series, is this question. If you work hard, why do you work so hard? And there's good answers to that question, and there's not so good, an- ans- good answers. But it, you owe it to yourself and to your relationship with God to ask the question, why do you work so hard? Why do you run around so much? And sometimes it's impossible to avoid. You know, back when my grandpa was working, um, he started working at a, a feed mill in the Watertown, Wisconsin area, and it was in a generation where you get one job and you kind of stay at it for your entire life. And there was a sense of security there. I understand that's not the culture that we're in right now, and we all have the pressure of making sure that we are showing ourselves to be valuable enough to be kept. I understand that pressure, and it's a difficult one. But I think also there are times where we work at a certain pace that doesn't have anything to do with that, but it has to do with something else, that it's become about us. Say it another way, we find oftentimes our identity in who we are at work and the success that we have at home, as a mom, as a dad, as an employee, as an employer. And so there's this very unique thing going on in our hearts that is really important to be aware of. It's our next fill-in. That oftentimes there is a work behind your work. That you're not working so hard, I'm not working so hard sometimes just to help provide for the family. Sometimes I'm working so hard because I'm finding my identity in myself, in how good of a basketball player I am, in my title, in how good of a basketball player my kids are, in a lot of different things, but it has to do with myself. And and I want you to know that oftentimes the problem isn't work in and of itself. Because understand, God's the one who gave us work. Work is not a sin. In fact, and I hate to disappoint you today with this if you didn't know it, but more than likely there's going to be work in heaven. But work is a good thing. Responsibilities and carrying out a purpose is a good thing. Work is not the problem. But finding and putting our identity in the wrong place, that is the thing that we need to be careful of because it often leads for us, much like Martha, to be distracted by a work behind the work. It's very unique time we live in. Up until about 100 years ago, maybe less, I would say that from creation until then, There was one era, and now there's this era in this way. That before that, while there was many different jobs, the vast majority of them were agricultural. And so life was a lot simpler, and so was work. You worked each day, you got up each day for most people to get food for the day. And your life revolved around your family because work was about food. Since then, and especially in the last 20 years or so, we have enough food, but yet we still work so hard. 
And many times it's because work has become more about us and identity and status and validation of who we are. And it's okay to get satisfaction out of what you do. But when we find our primary identity there, it's going to be a problem. Listen to what Jesus says to Martha then after she just got done yelling at him. Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen what is better and will not be taken from her. So Jesus explains what's going on. Mary wasn't lazy. Mary had balance. Mary wasn't trying to get out of work. Mary had perspective, and and she knew that it was the best thing she could do right now was to spend time with Jesus. I, I, I was wondering this week as I was studying um, for this message about Martha, and I wonder if she ever felt um, bad years later about having had Jesus, her Lord and Savior, in her home, and she was more concerned about all this other stuff than spending time with Jesus like Mary did. And obviously, she had to have looked back and wondered, why did I waste my time? There was something much more important that I could be doing, but I was distracted by all of these things, and Mary got it right. Mary understood what was better, and she spent time with Jesus. Make no mistake, God wants us to work hard and to work towards our fullest potential. He doesn't want us to waste our talents, our time, or our gifts. But he also wants us to budget time to rest. Rest is a blessing. Rest is a blessing physically. Don't believe me? Um, Let me give you an example. Saturdays for me on a preaching weekend are really busy. All of Saturday, I'm trying to finish my sermon and all the other things that go along with it. And then right after that's done, it's usually 5 o'clock and it's time for church on Saturday night. And inevitably, Saturday night is my worst attempt at preaching a sermon. And the reason is, is because my mind is exhausted. Now, after Saturday, I don't do a bunch of rewriting usually or anything like that. You know what I do? I just sleep. And the next morning, you know, maybe you would, you know, argue with this, but it's a lot better the next morning. Maybe it's not so great, but it's a lot better than Saturday night. The reason is my mind and body have rested. God knows you need rest physically. Emotionally, when are you the crabbiest? Usually at the end of the day. Why? Because you're tired. Spiritually. When we take time to rest our bodies, guess what else happens? We are able to spend some time unwinding so that we can spend time in fellowship and study with the Lord and to think about things that really matter. And so while there is a work behind the work, there's also this rest that we can have. And Mary chose what was better. Uh, and there's another verse that I'd like to reference to you today that Jesus spoke in Matthew 11. He said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I, Jesus, will give you rest. Here speaking of that spiritual rest, the rest of your soul, the rest of your heart. It, it's, it's like a peace that you can't get in a job well done that you can only get through him. 
And so our next fill-in is this, that the rest behind the rest is realizing that my identity is found in Christ or in Jesus. And what is that identity? Not boss, not employer, not employee, not mom, not child, not starting guard on the basketball team, not whatever it is. Your identity in Christ is a redeemed child of God, bought by his blood. Now just take that in for a moment. Just really think about that. If, if I scheduled my life, my day around that, how much more at peace would I be? How much more margin might I have in my schedule? So here's your, your homework for today, for this week, our next fill-in. I want you to ask the question, do I rest well? Now here's the little twist on it. I want you to ask it of the person that's closest to you in life. So for most of us, that's our spouse, maybe it's our mom, maybe it's our dad. And then when they start answering, you can't say anything. No yeah buts. Like, yeah, but that was that time. for No, no, you just listen. I just listen. Let me tell you, it's going to be a long afternoon for me when I ask Carrie this question. I already know that. But it's going to be good. And if, if they say that you don't rest well, then you need to ask yourself the question, why is that? Why? Is there some extenuating circumstances that are going to soon be over and it's just a small little season? Or could it possibly be that I have a work behind the work that is leading me to strive to a place that is not healthy for me? Or maybe the person will come back and say, yeah, you rest too much. You need to get moving, youngin, right? And then consider that too and what that might mean for your life. Do I rest well? Do I rest well? Do I budget rest into my life? Well, that's, that's the series. And I hope and pray that it's been a blessing to you. I, I hope and pray that, um, that you have an awareness of the challenges that come with schedules. I hope and pray that you're able to apply some of the things that we've learned um, from the Bible to your lives. And, and I pray long after this series is over that we have the tools needed through Christ um, to combat crazy busy. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time in the word and would ask that you would um, continue to strengthen us and encourage us through it. Remind us of our true identity, that we are children of you through faith in your son. And may we live each day more and more according to that identity that you have given. We pray this in Jesus' name and also invite you to pray with me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. At this time, our ushers will be gathering our thank offerings as we have a chance to uh, give back to the Lord who's given us all things. And also a reminder about those Black Connection books that you'll find in the rows. Um, please 
fill out as much as you're comfortable with, and then make sure everyone in the row has an opportunity. Thank you.